strong more than say hey, not me the bible says i am blessed the bible says he was made poor that i may become rich the bible says i am not weak the bible says i am the head and not the tail go ahead and reign in life go ahead and move mountains go ahead and jump go ahead and win go and make lots of progress in life why it's possible you are listening to a podcast by senior pastor of life free church prophet gomezio shamani last week rather we started looking at uh, a series teaching on the worker and the work don't worry this teaching won't be as long as the church community <laughs> uh, probably today or next week will be my last nevertheless we've been looking at a very profound teaching on the worker and the work and one of our focuses as to why we're looking at this teaching is to help us understand how purposeful our lives need to be you must get to understand that from god's original intent for you here on earth there has always been an assignment it simply means everyone that makes it to planet earth or on earth by default is a worker and that's why you are given a suit known as a body when you decide or if at all your work ends or your suit is incapable of carrying out the work at the end of the day we call that situation death and once you die you are illegal to be on the land that works so you have to go to your source or to the one you chose to become your source amen and amen in genesis chapter number 2 and verse 8 the bible shows us something just for a foundational purpose to help you understand the bible in genesis chapter number 2 and verse 8 shows us part of the creations of God and the bible says the lord god planted a garden eastward in eden and there he put man whom he had formed i want you to pay close attention to how god started his agenda he planted the garden in the east It simply means even though the garden was perfect, even though the garden was beautiful, it had not expanded. And so man was put in the garden to do what? To work it, to expand it, to fill the earth. If the garden had filled the earth, then he was not going to talk about filling the earth. Now, in verse 15, give it to me in NIV In verse 15 the Bible says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to do what 
to work. <laughs> he put him in the garden to work and to take care of it. Praise be to God. So, God created the garden. God planted the garden. Then God put man in that garden to work. It simply means the first man was a worker. The intention of God to, be, to have man planted in the garden was to work. For what? For his sake, for his kingdom, for his will, his domain. That's why I said every man by default is a worker. Now, I want you to understand that after God planted man in the garden, you will see certain privileges that man had. And in the next verse, we see how man was privileged with certain things. And the Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. So you notice something. While God has planted man in the garden, he has a divine vision for man. But not only does he have a divine vision, that vision that God has for man also has provision. And it's very interesting that in the garden you, found, you find food, you find riches, you find different things altogether. And the reason I want to show you these things is because the food, the, 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 the riches and all those other things that man had access to in the garden were not rewards. They were provisions. They were not what? They were not rewards. No, because you are working for me, I'll give you food. No, it was a provision. This simply means God's idea for rewards was different. Sometimes we look at what should be provision to the vision as rewards. In short, if you have an original understanding of what should be your provision as you walk in the vision, then you will not pray about certain things. What man had access to he didn't have to pray for it because it was a divine provision by virtue of him receiving the vision of the Lord. Amen and amen. In the same garden, God says it is not good for man to be what? Alone. And I'll make him a helpmate. He, he introduces an institution of marriage as a provision, not a reward. That's why when he presents the woman, he calls the woman a helper to help with what? The work. You can't call yourself a helper if, the, if there is no work. So here you are. And you want to be identified as a rib of somebody. What is she helping? 
what is she helping there has to be a work hallelujah now i'm just moving a little bit slowly so that you can understand me so man had a responsibility to work we were supposed to work in the garden and carry out god's will it was not our garden we were not even supposed to advise god and say no here plant this here or do this no 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 we received the vision of the lord and that is how it was meant to be but the bible tells us that man fell out of god's will and after he fell out of god's will his personal passions and desires caused him to transgress against the law of god thereafter in genesis 3 and verse 24 you can go back yeah yeah 3 verse 24 the bible says something it says so he drove out the man he drove out the man out of the garden man go away you've you've transgressed your responsibility was to work all right your responsibility was to carry out efforts was to tend my garden now you've fallen out so you have to go because your passions are suitable to tending another garden not mine so man is driven out and i want you to i want you to pay particular attention man is driven out of the garden now then look at what happens the bible says and and he placed a cherubim at the east of the garden of eden and a flaming sword which tend every way to guard the way of the tree of life so after god come here is the garden that man is supposed to work with but man doesn't work with the garden he transgresses and so god drives him out and calls an angel he calls an angel to guard the garden there's a problem what's the problem man was planted in the garden to work so if man has been driven out of the garden who is left to work the angel was never planted to work but to guard it simply means this is the first place we are seeing work suffering in the garden so what happens if you don't work the garden if man doesn't work the garden it's going to get destroyed and the moment it gets destroyed what's going to happen or what's what what do we call that when it gets destroyed it and we we can easily identify it as a wilderness so what man left unattended to became a wilderness until god sent another worker 
to go to start and begin the work that should return man to the garden. The Lord God sent Jesus Christ. Who was the worker to return man to the garden? But it's interesting when Jesus before Jesus started his work, he didn't find himself in a garden, he found himself in a wilderness. Where he was praying for 40 days and 40 nights. So he needed to work out things. Until then, have you noticed? At the start of the ministry of Jesus, Jesus prayed and labored in the wilderness. At his resurrection, he was in a garden. Someone had to work for the garden that you left to become a wilderness. Hallelujah. So, okay, thank you. You can just put back the basket. I want you to understand, saints of God, that work is very important. It's very cardinal. And Jesus never played concerning work. He never played. Act, uh, uh, Luke chapter 2 is already writing about how he's growing in wisdom, yet he is a child. By the time he's 12 years old, 12 years old, but don't even, a teenage, teenager starts from what age? 13. He's not even a teenager. And he's saying, I am about my father's work. I'm about my father's business. He knows why he's come on earth. Listen, if Jesus had an understanding why he's here on earth, and he's an, a perfect example for us to follow, you need to ask yourself why you're also here. You need to understand. You need to also ask yourself why you're on this earth. What purposes do you carry? What work must you fulfill? Praise be to God. He was so serious about work. Such that even when he was choosing his disciples, he chose those who were working. Jesus didn't choose a person who was doing nothing, unfortunately. But no, I'm waiting on the Lord. No. He, he, he went, he found a tax collector. He found someone in his office and said, follow me. He found Peter, follow me. In their offices, who were already working. Now, after he said, follow me, Do you know what he said afterwards? He told them, I want to make you a different worker. That's why he says, you are good at fishing, but now I want to make you fishers of men. You are good in your work at catching fish, but this time I want you to catch men. So he said what? I will make you so workers were made under the ministry of Jesus. And he was so serious about it. 
He was so serious about it that everyone who he impacted had to labor diligently. And I came to tell people that those who are used of the Lord are not necessarily those who are free. It's you guys who are very busy. When you see me in my pastoral office, I'm not the, I'm not the most free. I'm not, it's not that I'm not doing anything. Very busy. Praise be to God. It doesn't matter any field you are in. Say, so no, as our field is very, very busy. I know a certain field that was greatly used by God. The Bible tells us as a man by the name of Luke. And he was a medical personnel. Now, Luke wrote very important books. Extremely important books. Because he helps us understand the ways of Jesus, the power of Jesus in a medical perspective. He writes the book of Luke, but he also writes the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles. Yet he is a medical personnel. He's not saying Nidipako. He's not, he's not giving you excuses. But he's used of God despite, despite him being a busy person. At the end of the day, you must understand that those labors that we get to walk into are simply channels of empowerment that God will easily use to help us reach the masses. Easily use. Amen and amen. So no field should have excuses to be used of God. And the church says. Now. Quickly. I want us to analyze a scripture. This is from Luke chapter number 10 and verse 1. But before we go to Luke chapter number 10 verse 9. I want to give you a background of what happened in Luke chapter number 9. In Luke chapter number 9, Jesus sends 12 disciples. And when he sends 12 disciples, the Bible says he sent them to go and preach the gospel. He sent them to go and carry out the message of the kingdom and to do the work of the Lord. 12 disciples and they came back. Now, in Luke chapter number 10 and verse 1, I want you to see something. After sending 12 disciples in Luke 10 verse 1, the Bible says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two before his face and every city and the place where he himself is about to go. Now listen. Jesus is, has sent 12 disciples. They've done their work. Afterwards, he calls 70 others. He says, I want... 70 people to go and do the work. Now listen to this. If you read this, you would be very, you would be very amazed. I'm like, wow. Vanapaka. 
But Jesus appoints 70, but in his next statement, he is concerned. What's his concern? Verse 2. Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> you sent 12. They worked. You've now caught 70. They are going to work, but you are saying, Vachepesa. There are a few. Hmm. Then I believe it's something that we must need to understand. Because I think if today we can have a workforce of about 100 people, we can say, wow, this is good. But yet when we see it from the lenses of Jesus, he says, mm -mm, the laborers are few. The laborers are few. So may we first analyze what Jesus is saying? What is his first word? He says, the work or the harvest is truly great. The work is plenty. In short, he who provides the work understands the scope of what needs to be done. He who sends knows the scope of what needs to be done. And so when he says the work is a lot, then it's surely a lot. It simply means there's a lot to do. There's really a lot to do. By this time, he's already performed miracles and he's already known. He's already known. People, people have seen, thousands have already gathered around him. But that's where the problem is. How can today, in a service, you have 5,000 people, he multiplies food. The next time, he's preaching to multitudes. But then by the time he ascends, he only has 120 disciples. Where are the other 5,000? So they just came to, I receive but could not become witnesses. Hey. So Jesus says the harvest is plenty. But then he says, but the laborers are very few. So the harvest is plenty simply means, number one, from the scope of God's lenses, there is a lot of work. Number two, it means the workers who is you and I are, in, are underestimating the scope of work. We think there's no much, there's nothing really to do. It simply means us as workers, we're underestimating the scope of work. But also when the Bible tells us the work is plenty, it shows us that there's an urgency. Imagine you're planning for an event and you need to do maybe deco. And you are in a place by nine hours, ten hours, the event is supposed to start. And you understand there are no chairs, there are no what. You begin to say, guys, hurry up. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. Why is there a lot to do? Because you know there's a time frame. Something must begin by ten hours. And even when Jesus says the harvest is plenty, he understands there's an agency. Simply means, look. The Lord will come anytime soon from now. 
I don't know what people may be waiting for. I don't know why people may be so relaxed. The coming of the Lord is so soon. But the worker needs to understand the scope of Jesus. You need to understand how the master is saying there is so much work. It's very important. Otherwise, if you don't understand, you can be waiting for the coming of the Lord like the five virgins, but feel like it's okay to go to the market and buy oil. And by the time you go to the market, the master would have already come. So saints of God, when the Bible tells us about the work being plenty, it's just, just tr trying to show us that there's an urgency. That listen, we are in the last days. Each and every one of us must contribute to the will of the Lord to be perfected. Our contributions obviously are in different capacities. Others need to contribute to bring peace to mankind. Others need to contribute to bring welfare to their families. Others need to contribute to occupy certain positions. But at the end of the day, everyone must work. One threat to the work of God is not attending to the garden of the Lord, but attending to your own personal garden. That's one threat. You want your own garden. But remember how Genesis started. It said, and the Lord planted the garden from the east and caused everything to grow. It simply means if you want to exempt yourself from working in the garden of the Lord and seek to build your own garden, you should have power to make things grow. You should supply. Hallelujah. But not only should you have power to make things grow, you should have power to defend your garden. Because the Bible tells us in Genesis 11, people decided to build their own personal empire. But God was watching. And said, ah, let us go down. Let us go down. There are certain things that attract God to descend. There's praises, but then there's also idolatry. When you begin to practice idolatry, whether on a personal level, or just in building your own personal empire, God comes down and says, uh-uh, <laughs> how many kingdoms are we going to have? Okay, let's fight. Yeah, let's fight, since we have too many kingdoms. After Jesus said the work is great, the next thing he said is that the laborers are a few. That's a scary statement. When you say the laborers are a few. Now, what could this mean? It could, number one, mean that truly people are just not working. 
The workers are there, but people are just not working. So there are a few. Okay? Now, I want you to, I want you to notice something. Within, even just within the local church, we have something that is known as a workforce, right? And in our workforce, we've got well over a, 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 a great number of people. And then what would usually happen is maybe on a Saturday uh, or during a weekday, we would have what is known as pre-service set up. Alright? Now when we have pre-service set up, unless it is a miracle, not everyone comes. In fact, we are, yet to see, we are believing God for that miracle. It hasn't had happened. At once, I'm for a brother set up. But then what would happen is that a few of them would come. Let's say the two of them maybe will come as an example. Out and else. They will do the work. But as leaders, we will say the people who are working are a few. Yet the people in the workforce are a lot. So the question is, should we also call the rest of the people laborers if they are not working? So Jesus is expressing that, look, I know we've got people in the kingdom, but the ones who come head on and attend to my work, there are a few. And this is a threat. A serious threat. Another understanding of knowing that the laborers are few could mean this. It could mean workers are working, but not matching up the standard of God. You know, everything has a standard, right? And let's say you are working, everyone is working. Imagine if someone is building your house, and then they just build it bent. Like it's so bent, like the roof, you even see like the roof wants to, eh, you know, such that even those who are putting towels are in trouble. I'm sure you've had such moments. Putting a door is a problem. How did the person who measured the door measure it? On top, it's fat. Down, it's thin. So we can't say people worked. We can't say people worked. They erred. And that's what makes laborers a few. Because they are not working according to the standards of God. As a laborer, your first challenge is, are you present or are you attending to the work of the Lord? Your second challenge is, while you are working, are you meeting the standards of God? Ah, guys, God is for standards. He will not just call you his worker just because you are doing this or you are doing that. I remember in Matthew 7, the Bible tells me there were people who were prophesying, there were people who were healing, but he says, go away, you workers of iniquity. He didn't say workers of the Lord. It simply means in their labor, they didn't match up the standard of God. Hey. Hallelujah. Then, 
The third thing he says, the first thing he says is that the, la- the, the harvest is great. The next thing he says is that the laborers are a few. Then the next thing he says is, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Pray. Somebody say pray. It says pray that the Lord of the harvest sends forth laborers into his harvest. Now, you need to understand something with the way God handles things. Before God sends, he calls. Hello? Before God sends, he calls. For you to reach the sending level, you must pass the requirements of the call. That's why the Bible says many are called. And what? A few are chosen. It's the chosen that are sent. So it simply means there are those who are called. And while you are called, there are certain demands for you before you are sent. Paul and Barnabas knew they were called. But God allowed them to save in the church first. Ah, he allowed them to save. He allowed them to attend. In Acts 13, they were attending prayer and fasting meeting. In the multitude of leaders, they were saving. There are certain requirements that God has for people whenever he calls them. And at the end of the day, you must ensure that you've been so equipped and well elevated that he should be able to send you. Praise be to God. That's why you will find today he's dealing with Moses. He first calls the Moses, I want you to go here. Moses, I want you to do this. Moses, I want you to do that. And he will go to Gideon. He will go to another person. He will go to Avena Jonah. And at the end of the day, we are being prepared or being called by the Lord. It is vital that we become usable vessels. Let me quickly show you something about a man by the name of Jonah. Just go to Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3. Chapter 1 verse 1, sorry, to 3. So now there's a calling that comes. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, focus. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. And cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Jonah, come. As I made it and dear Jonah. He says, Come, arise, go to Nineveh, and cry out against that city, for their wickedness has come up before me. 
Has God spoken to Jonah? Has Jonah heard? Next verse. But Jonah arose. Was he correct to arise? Yes, because it says arise. But the Bible says Jonah arose to flee to Tashish instead, not to Nineveh. So Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh, but he went to Tashish. Hello? You don't have to say no to rebel against God. Did Jonah say no to God? No. He didn't even have to say, He probably typed noted in the WhatsApp group. But after typing noted with things, <laughs> noted with things, he went to Tashish. But now, here's where the scary part is. His decision not to yield to God's direction was interpreted as fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And Jonah arose to flee to Tashish from the presence of the Lord. You are not going to say, you are not going to keep quiet and do other things and go to Tashish singing, Ali Naine. No, you are lying. You are lying. So your declaration of God with you should be backed with your commitment to walk with God and not God to follow you. Now, he's in Tashish. And I want us to see something. He's, in, he's going to Tashish. And he's going to the presence of the Lord. Then in verse 4. I want you to see. It says, But who? The Lord sent out a great wind. Who sent it? Some things with, there are some things that happen in your life that God is dealing with you. But the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on that sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. So Jonah was in that ship and God sent a wind and there was a great storm. Next verse. Then the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God and there threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten up the Lord. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship and had laid down as he was fast asleep. Sir, I'm seeing another, come. I'm seeing another, as, as we are teaching on this. Oh no, I'm not, I'm not prophesying. I'm just, yeah. as, we are, as we are teaching on this, I'm seeing two instances in the Bible. There is a storm. Jonah is in the ship. There is a storm. Jesus is in the boat. There is a storm. 
Jesus or Jonah is asleep. There is a storm. Jesus is asleep. I'm scared of sleeping and having peace when I'm outside of the presence of God. It's so scary. It simply means people can have peace and sleep. Listen, Jonah was sleeping peacefully in rebellion. Moshe, Moshe. Listen, the others were panicking. They were afraid. They were so afraid. Jonah was breathing properly. He was snoring. He was snoring in rebellion. Peace. Like, now where was he getting that peace from? That's why. Be careful with some of the pieces that you have. The peace that you have in your heart. Because one day you think the peace within will bring peace around. But I'll tell you this. The peace of Jesus can calm the storm. The peace of Jonah cannot rebuke the storm of rebellion. It can't. You can't. So, there is a storm. And Jonah is sleeping. He's seriously sleeping. Obviously dreaming of his wedding day or whatsoever. And like a message that he received to a TXN. Ah, so Panienda Kutashish. I'm going to see my sugar sugar in Tashish. Away from the presence of the Lord. Ah, I'm just going to attend to a few things, you know, connecting. I've got connections. He's not even panicking. There is a storm. He may sleep. You are my peace in the midst of the storm. Eh, which one is your peace? Oh? Listen. When you flee from the presence of the Lord, and you cannot tell you fled from the presence of the Lord, you, you are in trouble. When you have peace in rebellion, you are in trouble. You are in trouble. It is the same kind of... Why are you in trouble? Because it is the same kind of confidence that Samson has when the Spirit of the Lord leaves him after his hair has been cut. And he says, Ah, I've done this before. The confidence put his bicep like this. Come, let me beat you. And he's beaten. And, and he said, Ah, ah, what has happened? What has happened? Eee. May we be aware of God's presence. We, 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 we cannot cheapen ourselves to Jonah and Samson. God has left. God is not with us in that moment. And we have peace. Moses was like, He said, if you are not going, I'm, I'm not going. Yeah, hold on. 
That's how he treasured the presence of the Lord. He says, ah, God says, I'll send an angel. Ah, well, it's okay. An angel will go before you. Ah, well, show me your glory. He refused. Yet, many of us, after we hear, that says the Lord. Ah, not to do thanks. It is well. Ah, yes, Gone. And you have peace. Like you are rebelling against God. You have peace. It's okay. It's okay. Tell your neighbor, fear some. Ah, you need to fear some. As in, you need to panic if you've walked outside God's will. You need to sit down and panic. If you are not panicking, tell yourself, why am I not panicking? Something is wrong. Yes, no, you need to sit down. Something is wrong with you. No, it's, imagine today, go to the hospital. No, serious. Huh? I slap you. Like I, my friend, I slap you. You don't hear, you don't hear anything. Ask me for transport money. And say, I want to go to the hospital. I'm not okay. I was supposed to feel that one. Yes. No. Because anytime you flee from the presence of the Lord, you must be like, mm -mm, Lord, okay, this one, now. Cast me not away from thy presence. Please don't take your spirit from me. Then you'll pray and restore the joy of salvation so that I may worship thee. That's what you do. No. Already some of you now have started panicking. You know what answer I have for you? Good. Why? It's working now. It's working. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have a conviction, you will never repent. You will never. So God said, pray that the Lord of the harvest sends more workers. The reason why he said pray, it's because it's in that place of prayer. It's in that place of encounter that you and I are being made. That you and I are being baked. That you and I are being built. That you and I are being prepared for a great work so that we don't become like a Jonah but instead be like the Lord Jesus listen one storm was sent by the Lord the one for Jesus the Bible did not say the Lord sent it it simply means someone else sent it and I can give you a clue 
who could have sent it because where Jesus was going he was going to encounter a man that had 5000 demons so that wind is to prevent them from going there because the deliverance of that man has to win a city Yeah. So, if a wind or a storm is fighting Jesus this night and the storm becomes quiet, we call that prevailing. Uh, if you are peaceful in rebellion, do you know how the storm ended? The storm ended with Jonah after he was thrown outside of the boat. That is not prevailing. Because if he's thrown outside the boat, it simply means where he will land or where he will drop into is the sea. Who can swim in a sea? But we thank God that Jonah didn't die. So what God Jonah experienced is God Jesomo chambuye Yesu. Eh, I have seen his mercies. Jesomo. Hallelujah. <laughs> Maybe you're not getting me. If what Ananias and Sapphira did got them killed, and you are practicing the same thing, and you are not dead, you are not prevailing. Chisomo, chambuya yesu but categorized as a breathing Ananias and Sapphira. Ah, today we are repenting. Uh, we want to prevail. We're only going to talk about reigning and prevailing after we are realigned to God. We can't talk about prevailing the Lord is that side, you are that side. Glory to God. Now, I said men and women are made on that platform of encounter with God. That's why the Bible says pray that the Lord sends uh, uh, laborers. In Philippians chapter number 1, thank you guys. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, God says something very cardinal, or rather the, the Spirit of the Lord reveals something through the writings of Apostle Paul. He says, Being that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what that means? It means in you who is a worker, God is laboring inside of you. He has a work. You are a project. So when you call yourself, I am a work in progress. It is not you working on yourself. It's God. 
that also means you are not the one who determines the kind of work to be done on you and the time frame. So don't ask us to give you time. Give me time. The Lord is working. I'm a work in progress. Give me time. What are you working? Because the Bible says, the work which God has started, he will complete it. I was sharing with someone, I said, I never chose to be ordained at 24 years old. I never chose. Amen and amen. I never chose. And it just doesn't logically make sense. Some of you have already pitied it, but if we say, be a deacon, oh, oh, hey, oh, ha. Huh? Mopitidida, mopitidida. Be a department bed. Oh, he, ha, he. God is working. I'm still being worked on. Who's working on you? No, who's working on you? No, seriously. Who's working on you? No, but you are a pastor. I, I, I said, was I was I born pastor? No, but uh, I said, uh, don't say tonight. Talk about let your will be done. Let your will be done. I went with Deacon Samuel when we were registering the church. They chased us. Chen, chogani up. The Lord says, go back tomorrow. If I said, oh, he, he. But you saw the way they chased me. The Bible says you shall not embarrass your people. <laughs> Father, they are putting me to shame. I just said, eh. <laughs> no. <laughs> we hear the word of the Lord. We walk in it. Amen and amen. Allow, listen. If God has begun a work in you, here, 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 come, 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 come. God will begin a work in you. Let him finish the work. Not uh, he started working in you and then he's putting your collars properly. Then you're like, ah, and, and time me, I want to do like this, Lord. Put my, put my sleeves like this. It will look cool, you know, this new generation we are in. And time me. Ah. We tell you, okay, tuck in. You, no, 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 Lord, I want to tuck in so that, you know, the glory of the Lord can... And, that means if God has begun the work in you, let him finish it. Do not interfere with God's work in your life. We interfere too many times. We are interfering. Stop interfering with what God is doing in your life. He may not be able to complete it if you interfere. You guys who beg, you know that every time you just open the oven and just leave it like that, what are you doing? You're interfering. And to a certain, certain extent, 
what what will come out what will come out? after you've you've interfered you've opened the oven what comes out i don't know what comes out comes out you end up saying ah it doesn't yet come out well god is still working on me but you were interfering the result of your interference you're still calling it a work in progress That's why Paul was able to say, some of you by now, you ought to be teachers. But we need to teach you again the fundamental doctrines. Some of you by now are supposed to send you, go and open branches. But, oh, 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 oh. it is your year of persistence and focus. You're persevering. Na chisomo chapo ye. Yes. Do not interfere. Do not interfere. And what will help you not to interfere is have a revelation of what God and who God wants you to be. It's very important. See yourself the way God ought to see you or, or rather the way God is seeing you. Don't be a, I am too young. Don't be a no, it's not yet my time. Don't be a, no, I don't have money. No. See yourself as God sees you. And don't interfere with God when he's working on your life. Sometimes he'll give you like a small task. Okay, I'm just assigning you to do this and this. Ah. Ah, we. Ah. Small thing which is working on you. Ah. We can't be dealing with leaders. I come. Okay. Kapemba. Midweek service. You are leading intercession. Pastor. Pastor. But why, Pastor? Please, Pastor. Ah. Tuku pelekan kuhewu. Pastor. It's just intercession. But I know. Why? But what? But pastor. Oh my goodness. Interfering. With how God is meant to use you. Amen and amen. Yes. It may be in your using, but sometimes it may also be in your preparation. Of, of just building your capacity. That's why I tell people, don't belittle church activities. Whatever they are, don't belittle them. There's a lesson in everything and in every practice. There's a lesson in sending a review. There is. God can use just that particular thing to know whether you are usable or sendable. Because you'll be like, ah, the pastor said people should send reviews. But that person is deliberately ignoring. Can I even use them like that? How? Just, just those practices. There are lessons in attending to prayer when you're supposed to be sleeping. God knows, yes, many people sleep by midnight. 
Nayo midnight ya kwana wazima na phone. Was bones. Wendo no gone. Leon sent Now listen and then some of you are very cunning. You join, switch off your mic and sleep. There's a lesson in that. Even sleep. Meeting Yasila, leave the group. Z. Hello, leave the group. Z. <laughs> leave the Z. We're not going to carry. So for you to wake up. Chisomo. Chabwe Yesu. Can you trying to prank God? Now we're going to prank you. We're going to go to heaven. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You slept during midnight prayers. So it seems like the earth doesn't need you. <laughs> you, are, you are now here. No, but I've left my girlfriend. No, 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 don't worry. We'll give her to Kapembwa. <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah. Someone because of, I know someone who, was, who became, was quite very lazy with regards to the work of the Lord. Suddenly in a, in a meeting just like this, they fell into a vision and they found themselves in hell. In hell. Then people in hell started running towards her, crying, saying, we are here because you didn't preach to us. Take us back. Why didn't you preach to us? Why didn't you? And the other one comes, even me, you didn't preach to me. Even me, you didn't preach to me. Mumitin. And the person is busy screaming, wah, wah, wah. Mungaza ase muka. Wah, wah. She's having a vision, a clear vision of being in hell. I'll work for you. I'll work for you. Use me. I will heal the sick. I will raise the dead. Is that what we want, honestly? <laughs> To be terrified with visions. I'm saying don't interfere with what God has to do in your life. You see, have you noticed your mobile devices? I, I, I may not be so uh, knowledgeable about uh, uh, Apple and iPhones. But if you're using an Android device, I think Android's its operating system has upgraded to about, is it Android, what? Are we on 11, 12, where are we? 14. 14, yeah. So Android's system of operation now has reached Android 14. Now you observe that some of you, your phones, what's the lowest operating right now? Uh, six, seven. Anyway, I don't know. Whether it's 7, 8. There are people who are operating on Android 7. People who are operating on Android 14. But now here's what happens. Let's say if your operating system is on Android 11. What will happen is that an, an update will come. Not really an update, a notification. And it says upgrade to Android 12. Who has ever seen that? Something that will just tell you to upgrade. I want you to, I want you to notice what many of you like doing. When that thing comes, you click download later. 
It comes again later. It comes again later. Later. And this is how God wants to make a vessel out of you. But you keep telling him later. 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 Remind me after 21 days. Remind me after 4 days. When those days come, I'm not yet ready. Download later. God wants to increase your capacity. He wants to increase how he can work inside of you. To work through you. And when that upgrade from the Holy Ghost comes, you click download later. Snooze. Yes. Yet you also observe something interesting when that update comes. It tells you, if you want to update, connect to Wi-Fi. Not your, just your ordinary data. It tells you, connect to Wi-Fi. It simply means, listen, your development requires serious commitment. In the realm of the spirit, connecting to Wi-Fi is prayer. It's not you using your available data or your available capacity. You have to connect to Wi-Fi so that if you want your next level to grow, it's connected. Yeah. Your speed, <laughs> your MBs per second will be how much you go in it. That's why the Bible says, pray that the Lord sends more workers. Your place of encounter is important. You, many of you are still failing because your prayer lives have dried up. Dried so. A dry fish or a mark. Dried. Nothing. Not, and so you are still on the same level. You are doing the same things and you are falling short. You are operating. Listen. We are in 2024. They are talking about Android 14. Or if we are going to talk about computers. We are using Windows 11, 12. And then you want to use Windows XP. 2007. It can't help you in 2024. But yes, in 2007, it will be good for you. There are updates that take place. In the last days, things become serious. Things become way complicated. You, you can't. You can't afford to remain on the same level. You can't. And that's why it is important for you and I to not interfere with what God is doing. What are the things that God works on in your life? Number one, he works on your appetites. You will notice when an, when an update comes, it tells you that it's removing certain bugs, it's removing this, it's doing this, and it's improving how fast this and this and that. In the same way, when God is working on you, he works on things that interfere with the work of God. Number one, he works on your appetites. The fall of man 
in the garden was based on his appetites, on his passions. He wanted self. So God had to work on that. It is a test that even the Lord Jesus Christ had to pass in the same wilderness that you left. He had to deal with the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. He dealt with that. He works on your appetites. Apart from working on your appetite, he, he, he works on... He works on strengthening you. Giving you capacity. Growing you. Building you. And sometimes he works on refueling you. Yes. That's why I like to say, if you've ever worked for the Lord and you, are, you, are, you, are, you get tired, it's okay. It's okay. You just need refueling. Hallelujah. You know what time my day started today? I started my day at zero one. So from zero one, I've been awake. Yeah. By the time it got to zero five, I was extremely tired. I was going to oof. So I had to enter prayer. Ramash Katabrahadish. I just feel myself sorry for myself after a service ends. The Holy Spirit can just all right. I've used you, thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So what I'm just trying to say is allow the Lord to work on you and don't do not interfere with his labor. So we're going to enter a new season in our, in our year of reigning and prevailing. The Lord told me we're, very, we're entering a, a, a very interesting season. And this season is called the season of consecration and concentration. The season of consecration and, and concentration. So when you are being consecrated, you are being set apart. In that moment of being set apart, you are being made. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ would be set apart and find himself in prayer, praying, knowing the Lord, encountering the Lord. He's being consecrated. But then the place of concentration has to do with your focus. It's very important and vital that you and I do not lose focus. Sometimes we lack balance in those things. Sometimes some of you are focused, but you don't consecrate yourself. Sometimes some of you consecrate yourself, but you, are not, you don't have focus. So here is Kapempa. He's coming from the mountain three days He's consecrated himself. Bah! When he descends from the mountain, he's walking in the power of the Lord and he says, Ah, yes, I'm ready. Until someone passes a girl, 
So suddenly the consecrated man will lose concentration. And then he will follow the girl. Instead of attending to the garden of the Lord, he's going to Tashish, attending to his own garden. Yes. So he's lost concentration there. But he was a consecrated guy. Others, they are focused. We work. We all, I want to work for the Lord. Uh, they are so focused. I want to work for the Lord. I will save the Lord. But they lack consecration. Consecration. And because they lack consecration, they've got no capacity. So they're just failing. Just failing. But you're focused. You want to do things for God. But you're lacking consecration. No capacity. Let me save the Lord. Flop. Let me save Flop. Why? Because you are lacking concentration. You need capacity to be built. This is a time that each and every one of you need to have been in bush experiences. Each of you need to encounter God in your personal times. You need to know the God, the one who will tell you, Okay, it, in, in consecration, because he's setting you apart, he's even molding you. He, he ensures you're also usable. He approaches him, he says, remove your shoes. This is holy ground. Amen. He'll say, remove your shoes. This is holy ground. Do this, do that. You're being consecrated. You can't do, you can't just make any decision just like that. You can't just choose. A consecrated man can't just choose. How? No. The harvest is plenty. The laborers are few. I came to speak to somebody. In this year, make yourself useful in the hands of the Lord. Have God use you diligently and let his will flourish through you. So may God help us. Let's rise to our feet.